more time for that video right there that communicates how here at NCC, we invest in the next generation are not just words, but we put action behind it. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? You should be excited after all of that, right? When they were up here doing the movements, I'm like, man, I'm in a Zumba class in church, right? <laughs> Jumping around and doing all of that. Uh, my name is Pastor AC. I am the NCC Forney campus pastor, and I have the honor and the privilege to be able to share the word of God with you guys this morning. Hey, let me pray with you before we get started. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the honor to be in your house today. We know that you're already working in our hearts, God, watching the next generation worship and praise up here, God. Man, that encourages us so much. And so, Father, whatever it is that we walked into this place carrying, we lay it at your feet right now. God, we speak against any distractions, any discouragements, anything that is trying to get in the way of your words of life reaching our heart this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to show you guys a picture here. This is me at 16 years old getting baptized right there in the white t-shirt. And I did have to clarify to the first service that no, I was not in prison because it looks like I am there, right? <laughs> Nothing against that, but that's just the way churches look back then. And for whatever reason, I chose a white shirt to get baptized in. I don't know why, but I did, okay? And uh, this, every time I look at this picture right here, it's a reminder of seeds that have been sown in my life and how other people have invested in me, right? Uh, I, I look back, my, it started with my parents, right? Them taking me to church and getting me in the house of God. And um, I just, I want to share a word because I think this is for somebody right now. This wasn't a part of my message, but as I was down here praying, I feel like the Lord wanted to remind some of you parents that although you haven't always done everything right, the grace of God will cover your imperfections. Because what I'm about to share right now can be discouraging. If you start to look at your history, your past with your kids, and you think, I didn't do everything right. And here's the word of encouragement that I feel the Lord wants you to hear today, parents. You just keep getting them in the house of God. And you just keep going after Jesus. That will speak louder than anything else. It's for them to see your life transforming over time. It's not too late for God to take a hold of your kids' lives. It's not too late for him to do something in their hearts. You just keep running after him, and he'll help you along the way. But I thought about all the different seeds that have been planted in my life. And this last, probably about two months ago, I had a full circle moment because the guy who's sitting in the baptismal with me is my youth pastor at the time, Brian Cisnettos. He now uh, pastors a multi-campus church in Eagle Pass in Del Rio. And uh, we had the opportunity to go visit them about a month ago. And the next picture was a full circle moment for me because I was able to share the word of God at his church. And as I was up there, the Lord gave me a word for them. And, and I was just reminding them that, hey, all those seeds that you planted in me starting at the age of 16, this is a testament of it coming back to full circle. Those moments that you thought, I'm not doing a great job as a leader, not to say that this is the final uh, goal or anything like that is to get on stage, but I'm like, man, let my life be a reminder to you that all those times you wanted to quit, you kept investing in me as the next generation. You didn't get distracted by how I came into church, right? Because if y'all knew how I came into church, right, I had gold chains everywhere, you guys. I just wanted to beat everybody at gold chains, no lie. Had a long basketball jersey, my pants were sagging, and he didn't get distracted by that, but he saw the calling that God had put in my life. 
We invest in the next generation. And, and all throughout Scripture, we see examples of the older generation investing in the next generation. Now, I'm a millennial. Any millennials in the house? Like, I barely got into the millennial, right? I'm not 40 yet, but I'm not 20. I'm 38. And I'm sandwiched in between a few generations, right? You've got Generation X, which I'm sorry in the first service I forgot y'all. But you've got Gen X, right? The generation right before millennials. And then you had the baby boomers, right? And some of y'all are whatever generation was before that, right? And then right after me is Generation Z and then Generation Alpha. Any Generation Zers in the house right now? You're between the ages of 10 to 25. Anybody? Okay, we've got a few of y'all. What about Gen Alpha? You're, you're under 12 years old. Anybody? A few of y'all. Okay, cool. So because I'm sandwiched right in the middle between those generations, I want to speak to the older generation, and I want to speak to the younger generation today. See, as I was preparing, I saw all the different examples of the, the older generation investing in the next generation. One of those examples that stood out was Moses and Joshua. Moses was symbolic for what God started. Joshua was symbolic for what God continues. So Moses is symbolic for the older generation. Joshua is symbolic for the younger generation. So let me take some time to talk to the older generation here for just a second. When you look at the life of Moses, God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery, right, out of Egypt into the promised land. God brought the Ten Commandments to Moses so that he could present them to the Israelites on how they should live. And, and God used Moses to perform many miracles while God's people were in transition from the desert to the promised land. But then we read that it is Joshua who's able to lead the Israelites into the promised land, not Moses. Moses started, Joshua continued. Everybody say with me, Moses started, Joshua continued. See, Moses represents what God started, the older generation. Joshua represents what God continues, the younger generation. And at some point, as you start to read the story of Moses, you see that he has the foresight to understand this, is that leadership is temporary. Leadership is temporary. The ministries that we're over right now, we do not own. We do not own the people that we lead or the organizations that we lead right now. Leadership is temporary. And Moses understood this and had the foresight to know one day I won't be here, so I need to start investing in the next generation. I mean, stop and think about it for just a second. It doesn't matter how much anti-aging cream you use at night or how much you work out, all those things are good or how many naps you take, or what types of foods you eat. Those things are great, but the reality is that we won't be here one day, guys. I feel like it was just yesterday that I was entering my 20s, and now I'm getting ready to enter my 40s. I feel like it was just yesterday that my babies were in diapers, and every time I look at them, I feel like they've gotten older by the second. Any parents can relate today? I feel like just yesterday, Debbie and I were entering student ministry in Oak Cliff, Texas, because that's my hood, and now we're getting ready to lead an awesome campus in Forney. My point is this, time flies, seasons change, and leadership is temporary. And we're called to have the foresight, like Moses, and knowing that it's not optional to invest in the next generation. We must invest in the next generation. 
Now, what does it look like for you to invest in the next generation? Those of you that are in the older generation, share your gifts and talents with the next generation. Share the talents that God has given you. Maybe it's mentoring somebody and taking them under your wing and saying, hey, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me show you how I do marriage. Let me show you how I run my finances. Let me show you how I run an organization. Just watch me. Let me tell you something right now. The younger generation is not looking for perfection. They're looking for authenticity. So get that out of your head. They need to see us making mistakes and then say, I messed up. They need to see us saying, hey, I lost my cool there. I apologize. I did it this morning right before I walked into service, right, Isa? I went over to Isa and Fuzz and I said, I'm sorry, I lost my cool. That was not okay. That's what they need to see. Investing in the next generation means that you're sharing the goodness of God. Some of you have incredible stories and testimonies of what God has brought you out of. Don't keep it inside. We need to hear it from your mouth because we're reminded that God is still working in someone's lives. Maybe it's you stepping in and saying, I'm going to serve in kids' ministry. Some of y'all just got really scared right now, right? But Hannah's with me. Or stepping into student ministry. You know who I'm talking to right now. Some of y'all, I've talked to you like you have an incredible story, an incredible testimony. Kids need to be around you to see how God has worked in your heart. And he continues to work in your heart. But it's not optional for us to invest in the next generation. So what does Moses do? We see him begin to invest in a man named Joshua. And the first time that we see Joshua is when he's leading the Israelites, God's people, in this battle against these people called the Amalekites. It's in Exodus 17. You can go back and read it. Look at what Exodus 17, 13 says about Joshua in the middle of this battle. It says, And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. In other words, he was winning. He was mutilating them and just winning the battle. He was owning that battle. And if we were only to read that verse, we would think that Joshua is responsible for winning this battle. But if you read just a few verses before, in verse 11, this is what it says. is that whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And when his hands lowered, Amalek prevailed. Can y'all picture that for just a second? Joshua's in the bottom in the battlefield, right? And Moses is on top. And every time that Moses would raise his hands, Israel would start winning. But the moment his hands would go down, the enemy would start winning. So what happens is Aaron and Hur, they noticed that, and they first of all brought him a stone to sit on Moses, right? But then it's almost like they were observing, and they're like, okay, every time that he raises his arms, Israel is winning. But when he lowers them, we start to lose. So they got the awesome idea to say, let's hold his arms up. Let's hold his arms up so that we win this battle. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of the older and the younger generation coming together, working together to win battles. See, here's the thing, guys. We not only invest in the next generation, but we lock arms with the next generation. Our kids need to know that we've got their back in prayer, in action, in love, in encouragement, and in support. That like Moses, our arms are lifted up in support to them and say, hey, we're with you in the battles that you're fighting right now. And let me tell you, this generation is fighting some heavy battles. Suicide is at its highest, guys. Depression is at its highest. Anxiety is at an all-time high. So many voices are trying to guide them, and their faith in Jesus is being challenged like never before. 
And what they need is us or the older generation to say, hey, this battle that you're, you're facing with suicide or anxiety or depression, you're not on your own. Let me pray over you when you're weak. Let me speak life over you when you've forgotten who God says that you are. I'm with you in this battle, and I will raise up my arms and sign of support to show you that you're not alone in this battle. They need us to lock arms with them. And the reality is, is that if we don't lock arms with them, someone else will. And most of the time, it's not someone led by the Holy Spirit. It's someone guiding them in the wrong direction. And look, I get it. I'm getting to the point where I don't understand the trends of the younger generation. Right? You're like, I don't get the music. I find myself these days saying things like, can you turn it down? It's a little too loud. And then I freak out because I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm turning into my parents. I love my parents. But noise is starting to get to me now, and it didn't before. <laughs> Y'all help me, please. I get scared sometimes. <laughs> and then I start noticing that we're driving a minivan, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm changing right before my own eyes, and I can't do anything. It's like... Bro, you get to a point where you start looking at minivans and you're like, dang, you see them sliding doors? Like the conversations start changing. Here's the thing. We don't understand the trends or the hairstyles of the younger generation. But let's not get distracted by details that we lose focus of their heart. Let's not let personal preferences get in the way of passing down biblical principles. If we're going to lock arms with the next generation, we need to get to know the next generation. Start to get to know what they like. Start to get to know some of their language. Start to get to know what is fighting for their attention, the movies, the music, the fashion, the trends, all that stuff. Start to get to know it. Because here's the thing, the packaging may look different, but the mission is the same, and that's to reach people for Jesus. The packaging may look different. Dante, I love that you're up here and you got that blonde strand in the front, right? Some people can get distracted by that and be like, man, that's not Jesus right there. You're missing the point here, bro. You're missing the point here, sis. The mission is the same, but the packaging may look different. And I love the fact that we have young people up here worshiping God when they could be out there doing whatever else the world throws at them. I love that they continue to come and they say, hey, I know that Jesus is working in me, so be patient with me. By the way, be patient with them. We act like we were born holy. We act like we were born following Jesus. And we forget that there were moments where we prayed, God, don't give up on me. I just messed up again. God, don't give up on me. Keep speaking. Keep speaking the life over them that they need in this moment and be patient with them. The packaging may look different, but the mission is the same. Let's be a church that locks arms with the next generation and says, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. And I'm in battle with you. Now let me talk to the younger generation here for just a second. Joshua is symbolic of the younger generation, what God continues. See, after that battle we just read with the Amalekites, and Joshua had this victory because God was in the midst of it and Moses was giving him support, you would think that Joshua would take the position to say, hey, I won a battle, I deserve leadership, put me in the top spot, get me a title, but we don't see that. You read later on in Exodus 24, verses, uh, verses 12 through 13, read with me on the screen, it says, The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain, wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone, with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. 
And look at this last verse. So Moses rose with his what? Assistant. Who was it? Joshua. He went back to serving. He wasn't trying to go after a title. He was assisting Moses as Moses went up into the mountain of God. Here's my question to you younger generation, and I want you to get this because this will help you a lot. Can you take the position of a servant and wait for God to promote you? This is why I say this, because you live in an age right now where social media is big, right? Nothing against that, but everything is about self-promotion. Is I've got to promote myself, and people have to know my name, and if I don't have this amount of YouTube followers or this amount of likes or people don't know my name, then I'm now nobody. But it's in those seasons when no one knows you that God starts to develop and form your character. And you don't have to promote yourself. God knows where to find you. God knows where to find you. I shared in the first service that when, when we used to go to church there in Oak Cliff, I was living here in Mesquite, and I worked at Toys R Us right here in Mesquite. R.I.P. Toys R Us no longer around. It's sad every time we pass by it, and now it's like some discount store, right? Uh, I don't know what it's called. Always, yeah. I'm bitter when I walk in there because I know what was there before, right? But I used to work at Toys R Us, and, uh, and what ended up happening is I got hired seasonal, and then everybody got fired except for me, including Debbie, by the way, so shout out to her. And I, they kept me for whatever reason, but the problem is that my schedule started to change, and I was starting to miss Sunday services, and my lead pastor was starting to see that I wasn't showing up to church anymore. And I'm thankful for people that caught those little things. He comes to me, and he's like, hey, why aren't you here on Sundays? I'm like, well, I've been working. And he's like, where? I'm like, Toys R Us. I'm like, and that felt so weak just coming out of my mouth, right? And he's like, hey, he's like, I want to hire you to work for me. Quit your job and come and work for me. And I'm thinking, man, this is awesome. Heck yeah, I'm going to work at the church. I'm going to have this title. I'm going to have this position. That's where my mind was. Guess what he had me doing? I was cleaning bathrooms every single day. I was vacuuming the church. I was organizing his office. He was sending me to run errands. But it's in those moments that God was forming my character, and I look back now. Here's what we need, younger generation. We don't need people with titles and names and, and people that are like, hey, look at me, because if your character is not strong to sustain your position, you will fall like we've seen many people do. But it's in those seasons when you're serving and you're like, God, work in me. And whenever you want to promote me, if that's your will, so be it. But if not, God, I'm going to continue to serve with all of my heart, God. I'm going to continue to do what you asked me to do. You don't have to promote yourself. God knows where to find you. Here's the question that I have for you to follow that up. Can God trust you with now so that he can trust you with later? Those opportunities that seem insignificant and you're like, I'm just working with kids. That's significant. Be faithful and do your best job serving those kids. Those opportunities where they have you stacking chairs, yeah, we've all stacked chairs. God is forming your character and saying, can you still be excellent even when no one's watching? Those opportunities when you're tempted and you're wanting to give in to that temptation and, and let sin take over, right, and, and everybody gives in to what they're feeling right now and everybody's defining sexuality for themselves, can you still stand on the truth of the word of God to say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you and you can trust me with now because I know that you have great plans for me later. It's having a servant's heart and not needing recognition. But here's the last thing that I would tell you that we need from you. 
We need your perspective and we need your faith. And the reason we need your perspective and your faith is because sometimes us grown-ups forget that God can still do the impossible. We step out and we take steps of risk and we go out and go after a business. We go and try something new, something big. And when we fail, what happens to a lot of us older generation and adults is we cave in and we're like, I'm just going to play it safe. But you guys, y'all remind us that God is still doing the impossible. You remind us that, that, man, there's still more to get, that there isn't a limit to who God can use or how God can use them, but that, that he can do whatever he wants with the person's heart who's fully surrendered to him. You read in Numbers 14 that Moses sends Joshua and Caleb, including a, a few other spies, to go scope out the promised land, the land that God had promised to give them. And everybody but Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report saying, we can do this. We can take down those giants. That's what we need from you guys. It's whenever things seem bigger than us, you can say, hey, Pastor AC, man, we can do this. We got this because God is on our side. Bring your ideas. Bring your faith. Remind us that we serve the same God and nothing is impossible for him. Here's what I want to close with today. Today is all about we invest in the next generation. But how are we following the model of Moses in investing the next, in the next generation? And I want you to give me your attention for these last few minutes. This is why it's so important for us to invest in the next generation, you guys. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, look at what it says. After Moses the Lord's servant died, remember, Moses is symbolic of what God started. The Lord said to Joshua, now Joshua is stepping in, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and God starts to give Joshua instructions on how to lead the people into the promised land. But look at Judges 1.1. This is later on when Joshua is now passing away. It says, after Joshua died, the Israelites asked the Lord, who should lead the invasion against the Canaanites and launch the attack? Notice that both chapters begin with the death of a major leader. The difference is in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord and Moses had appointed a successor. Why? Because Joshua, I'm sorry, Moses understood this, is I better start investing in the next generation because I'm not going to be here forever. But you don't read a record of Joshua doing the same thing. So now we've got a group of people that are like, who's going to lead us? And then it gets even worse, and it's heartbreaking to read this next part. That because Joshua was not intentional in investing in the next generation, look at what happened. In Judges 2, verse 7 through 10, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at 110 years old. And they buried him within the boundaries of the inheritance in Tamath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And look at this last part. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Investing in the next generation is not optional, you guys. They need to know the Lord. And they need to know his works. They need to see that God is still working in us. 
They need to see us passing the baton. And here's the thing that the Lord spoke to me. When it's time for us to step aside, it's going to make it easy when we understand that it's not about my story or my name or my position or any of that. This is about his story. I just play a role in it. When it's time for that next generation to rise up, because they are, we step aside and we're like, hey, take it. Here's the baton. I'm holding my arms up and I'm with you. If you forget who you are, look back. I'm right here. And we need to declare this, is that it will not end with me, but it will continue. So I want to leave you with an action step this morning as we do every Sunday. For the older generation, I want you to walk away with this question and pray about it and meditate on it and let it just sink in. What has God given me that I could pour into the next generation? What talents, what wisdom can you bring? What stories of God's goodness, what life examples can you pour into the next generation? Get out of the sidelines, you guys. We need you in the game. Get out of the sidelines. We need to see it in your life. For the younger generation, this is the question that I want you to walk away with, is what am I doing with what God has put in my hands right now? Am I learning? Am I asking questions? Am I serving? Am I being a good steward and saying, God, I'm going to be excellent with this, God, so that you can trust me with that? Let me pray with you guys if you can bow your heads and close your eyes. And this morning, before we continue... I believe that there are people in this place right now that you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. He's not Lord, meaning he's not the one in control. You've been in control. You've been the one calling all the shots. But, but I believe that this morning there are people who have, have come to their wit's end and they're saying, hey, I'm tired of doing things my way. Before we go any further, if, you, if that's you right now and you know that, hey, I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to just share a few things with you. He's crazy in love with you. And right now you're sitting in this place or you're watching online and you're thinking about all the things that aren't right in your life and all the ways that you've messed up and how you've missed the mark. Here's the thing. He's not waiting for you to get it all together in order for him to save you. The day of salvation is today. So if you're waiting for the perfect moment, that moment's never going to come because perfection never comes here on this side of earth. He loves you so much that the Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ came and he died for us. In other words, he was not waiting for you to get it all together because you can't. I can't. He's saying, I'm going to die for you, even then. And the Bible says that if we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, here's the thing about the word Lord. If you're giving him complete control and you're saying, God, I want to do things your way, teach me, show me, guide me, help me, Lord, that that's how you are saved. And so if this morning, if there's anyone in this place or if you're watching online, I know that we got a story of just a young lady that was watching in the first service and she gave her life to Jesus watching this service. But if you're watching right now or you're in this place right now, I want to pray with you. And if everyone joining me could just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my heart to you. I'm tired of doing things my way. I receive your forgiveness and I receive your grace. Make me new, Lord. Purify me and make me clean. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
and amen. Can we give it up for those that are making that decision either right now, online, or in person? Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, we've got a next step for you because we don't want to just leave you out there. Your next step, if you're making that decision to follow Jesus, is to sign up for Connect Track. Now, what is Connect Track? We start to talk about who Jesus is, what salvation means, what are the next steps, and how you find your place here at NCC. Because just like we talked about you investing in the next generation, you guys have talents and gifts that God has given you. And those talents and gifts are to be able to build others up. And we teach you how does that work here at NCC and how can we help you be able to step into that. So sign up, go to newcommunity.co forward slash connect track. We hope to see you there.